What? What? Jaring Cockney tells you you're listening to another episode of The Power of Three, that Scottish podcast that's full of Doctor Who comment and chat and general silliness, I would like to think. And tonight, there's actually four of us. Again, we can't count. Um, we, well, I'll technically it counts because there's three plus me, so that, we'll go for that. Or three plus myself, if you want to be grammatical about it. Uh, we'll start off with uh, the man who's got more letters after his name than Johnson Dostari from The Two Doctors. It's... Dr. John Bolin. Hello, Dr. John Bolin. Hello. Hi, everyone. Nice to see you. And also behind you tonight, John, the listeners won't be able to hear this, but I can see you've got a cardboard standee of David Tennant. That's right, yes. Uh, I decided, given the topic tonight, to celebrate by uh, erecting my standee, as we say, in the business. Um, (laughs) That sounded better in my head. Um, (laughs) But yes, uh, Despite the fact that I that I know that it's cardboard, uh, ever since I put it up this afternoon, I've come into the kitchen and uh, I've scared myself on a number of occasions. It's a bit like that thing. Was it three men and a baby, two men and a baby? Yeah. Uh, where there was the thing about the supposedly the ghostly boy behind the curtain who is actually a cardboard cutout. Well, it's the same with this. I've been uh, scaring myself. And where does he normally live? Me. He normally lives folded in a in a spare room, um, right. so he's just delighted to be to be up and about, really. Excellent. Well, it's he not just thanks. you who's with us, David and John. It's also a man who can talk all night and indeed all day. It's Stephen Day. Hello, everybody. How are Yay. we all? I have no cardboard standee behind me. For those who can't see me, I still do have a Dalek. Yeah, it looks yeah. like the large remote control one from Character Options. Am I right or am I right? It is, it is. Unfortunately, he's lost his voice. Oh, well, he, I'll phone he, Briggsy. He blinks his lights, but no voice, no more. <laughs> and uh, completing our likely trio, it's the man who's a fan of the Man of Steel, and that's not an egotistical thing who's a fan of himself. It's David Steele. Hello, Dave. <laughs> Hello, Kenny. Long time no see. It must be hours. <laughs> how are you hello everyone welcome back listeners thank you for joining us yeah and as john mentioned earlier tonight we're going to have an episode which i would have called tenant special but we've already done that um which is slightly annoying because but i'm still fancy playing that old advert again the one that sounds like this Anyway, there we go. That was the one. So, David Tennant, he is our 15th Doctor. Or no, he's our 14th Doctor. Well, it depends if you throw the War Doctor in there and the two, uh, the 11th Doctor being David Tennant. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He is our next Doctor. So, let's wind the clock back to last October. John, did you expect to see him at the end of The Power of the Doctor? Yes, I did. Grudgingly, yeah, I suppose I had to come to expect it. Um... <clears throat> simply because I've been somewhat spoiled, but uh, but I, I didn't expect it until uh, a, cu- 
couple of weeks before that, I have to say. But um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't entirely surprised. And I think, in fact, I'd seen someone on Twitter sometime before that predicting what might happen if David Tennant showed up, and they they proved to be word perfect. In fact, you know, that was down to a T. Stevie, oh, too many spoilers. I knew at some point in that episode it was coming. That didn't stop the enjoyment. I have to say, I just loved it. And do you know what else I found today? Just doing research prior. Not only can you watch that regeneration, you can watch the Minecraft version. I urge you all to go and watch the Minecraft recreation. I shall say no more. Excellent. I'm most. I'm, I've never seen this. I'm surprised Katie's not throwing it up for me. Uh, not like vomit. Um, Dave, were you expecting? The skinny Dave from Paisley to appear, skinny Dave from Paisley. <laughs> I was, mate. Yes, I basically sort of. Um, I can't remember if I've talked about this in the podcast before. I kind of worked it out, really, because I mean, there was the rumours at the start of last year that he was going to be the next Doctor. And I think you and I and Tom did an episode where we talked about that, but it was when um, all the location photos started emerging, and you saw him in a new suit with a new coat. And you thought, all oh, right, he's, he's got a new suit and a new coat. That's that's interesting. And then I saw someone complaining on Twitter that he was using the Jodie Whittaker's TARDIS and the Tenth Doctor shouldn't be using the Jodie Whittaker TARDIS. And they said it was as bad as when Patrick Trouton used Collins TARDIS and the two Doctors. <laughs> and it sort of percolated away in my brain for, for about half an hour. And I went, hang on, he's got a new suit and he's using Jodie's TARDIS. And I went, ooh, and I kind of... I've tweeted in the middle of the night saying, I bet you this is what happens, because obviously they'd announced Shooty as the as the new Doctor, but then of course they told us that Davy was coming back for some specials, and you, we just all assumed he was going to be playing the 10th Doctor again, but it was just a kind of, you know, a logic sort of thing just tripped in my head, and I thought, well, the you know, it's that whole off-comes-razor thing, if he's using Jodie, what's the simplest reason for him to be, for the, the tenant Doctor to be using Jodie's TARDIS? And, um, and that was it, so I was, I, was, I, can't, I have to say... <laughs> I was punching there. I was, I was like, "Yes, told you." <laughs> Jumping up and down, pointing at everyone else in the room as we watched it. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it, it would have been. I don't think. I don't think at any level I expected to see Shooty. To be honest, I, I, it wasn't. It wasn't a surprise. Um, it just once I'd kind of worked it out, and it just seemed really obvious that that was going to happen. Now I think that it's probably fair to say that for the 21st century, David Tennant is the equivalent of Tom Baker, as he's the most identifiable one with the general public. So, Stevie, do you think it's a good move bringing him back in the anniversary year, given that perhaps the show has lost some of its popularity over the last few years, perhaps since the end of Matt Smith's time? I, I think it's an excellent idea. I mean, I'd, I would have, I would have stayed even in the 60th. And I've I've said anyone who will listen that wouldn't it be nice occasionally for us not to know anything about an episode and, you know, there's the TARDIS, there's this, there's that, and you suddenly realise you're not with the current Doctor. So this is a wee bit of a a dream come true for me. This is a, I don't know, he is the 14th Doctor, we're not going backwards, but I I think it was a, a shrewd move and I think it allows us to build up the audience again before a brand new Doctor comes in. Because, I mean, that must be horrendous anyway. If you take on the part, you're, you've got all this history behind you. No pun intended. History, future, whatever. And you're thrown in there. And now at least there's a kind of a wee, more of a run-up to it as well. And fan favourite. I mean, I, I don't know. 
who's the most popular. You're probably right, he is the kind of the Tom Baker for a generation. But then so's Matt Smith. And if it had been Matt Smith that came in, I'd have still been punching the air and thinking, yeah, maybe that's still to come. Who knows? Who knows? Hey, can he? Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> Dave, were you, what's your thoughts on it? Do you think it's a step forward or a step backwards? Or is it the right thing to do? It's an interesting one, Kenny, because I think as we talk, uh, we've, I think as I said in the past, it's um, it's quite a two fingers up to the, the previous regime. So in a way, it almost sort of says, right, you've screwed it up. We're going to have to get David Tennant back to fix it. It's a bit like that. Um, I'm reminded of, I won't name names, when a brief spell in HMB or Gale Street when there was a manager who came in and didn't do very well, so we got the last manager back. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up staying for a couple of years and righted the ship. I think, you know, David Tennant's still very popular, just full stop. You know, I think people like him. So people will probably tune in for that. So I think it'd be good to get the audience back. He was very popular as the doctor, obviously. We all know that. I think you're right to compare him to Tom. And it's appropriate for the anniversary because it was where, you know, it's sort of it's always been the norm that in anniversaries old doctors come back. So it's an interesting way of doing it. Rather than, you know, just playing the tenth doctor again, he's an you know, an actor who's played the doctor previously is coming back and, you know, giving us a new doctor. So it's um it's an interesting one. I mean it's is it a backward step? What's that? What's that phrase? Um, was it? So I'm going to mangle it, but a step, a step backwards. You know, it's a step in the right direction after a wrong turn or something like that. You know, it's it's that sort of thing. I think. John, regressive or progressive? I think it's however you want to to, to read it. Really, um, I think Russell T Davis is perfectly within his rights to to kind of have a, a greatest hits thing, but I suspect it's not quite as simple as that. Um, I suspect there's going to be quite a few. Uh, twists and uh, surprises in that. So I, I guess my, my reaction to the whole thing, though, uh, on, on the thing that really struck me was, okay, here we go again, but also it's almost 20 years since he first appeared, you know, and that's a huge amount of time. I and mean, if you compare that to the, the lifespan of, the, of the, the classic series, you know, it's a massive, massive gap. So I'll be interested to see what, uh, yeah, what, what surprises are are in, in store but there's certainly no harm in, in getting the old team back together uh, I'm certainly very nostalgic for the the series 4 team uh, I thought he was great with Catherine Tate and um, I'll be interested to see what what kind of dynamic there is there and how that fits in with the the, the story as we've, as we've heard it up until now as we speak, um, we're just uh, a day after hearing that Murray Gold is returning to do the music. And as you say, John, yes. Catherine Tate's there. <laughs> so Dave, what do you think? Quite quite happy to have the getting the band back together. That I suppose that hugely popular lineup. In fact, we've, we know we've got Catherine Tate, we know that we've got Sylvia Noble, and just all these wee things coming together that have been popular in the past. And fingers crossed that you can bottle lightning. It's, it's an anniversary tradition. I mean, one thing that kind of struck me recently, this, this was the point I, I thought I remembered when, when, I, when I saw you on Sunday there. But reminded recently of what happened with Doctor Who's 30th anniversary when the series hadn't been on for a while. And the only new Who that was produced, really, not counting dimensions in time, was the, the John Pertwee radio plays. And it seemed at the time very much that John was the current Doctor again. Because, you know, it was him that turned up in No Edmonds to plug it. He was the only actor to appear in the new official sort of story, and he'd already made a re 
a couple of returns to the programme already, be it in the Five Doctors or be it in the stage play. So, in a way, you know, and obviously it was accompanied by, um, I nearly said Sarah Sutton, <laughs> Elizabeth Slade and Nicholas Courtney on the radio. Um, so, in a way, what we're getting now with DT 30 years later is, is very similar because DT obviously came back in the, the 50th anniversary. Um, he's done the Doctor for a big finish. Time Lord Victorious was completely built around them. So he endures and all that. He's, you know, John Johnsy was quite a an enduring popular doctor. So I think I think it's um it's a trick that's kind of that's kind of worked before when when there's been a, a period an anniversary to celebrate. They're kind of calling back to a time that was popular in the past to remind people, I think, of of why they enjoy Doctor Who and hopefully to get them to be interested in what comes next. I found Buddy Gold stuff. It did the job. It was always far too loud, but there you go. That's something else. It, it wouldn't make much difference. One thing I haven't, I haven't been too impressed with is, I kind of thought the last, the I can't, I can't remember his name, which is terrible. But I didn't mind the music we got during Jodie's stuff. You know, I just hope my my fear is just that it's not all going to be completely the same as it was before. But then John said he's sure there's going to be some more surprises. I agree with that. I don't I think Russell's too clever just to do the same thing all over again. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, 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 as far as the the music concerned. I, I enjoyed Murray Gold's scoring of of the series. Um, I felt that the the themes though deteriorated in in quality one after another. So I think I think the first his first arrangement was was the best, and then I sort of think it tailed off towards during the Capaldi years. That sort of it sounded like a kazoo or um, one of those little uh, what do they call them? The little, not it's not stereophonic. The little stylophone, stylophone, Yes, that's it. This kind of stylophone so I thought it sounded really kind of cheap and tinny. Whereas I think the the latest um, Sigan Akinola's uh, theme, I think, has been a really good arrangement. So I hope he would, I hope he would return to to kind of the something which is recognisable. I think is the. As the the Daily of Derbyshire, as long as it's in there somewhere, you know, uh, I'd be I'd be happy. But in terms of his other kind of scoring, I thought, okay, it's bold and bombastic, but he's he he gave us some pretty good uh, themes within the 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 series. I thought. Stevie, you were the first to react when I mentioned oh, Murray's name. I take yeah, it you're a fan. I, oh, I'm I'm a huge fan. Cards on the table musical theatre, that's that's one of my things, but film scores have always been my thing. You know, even if I haven't liked a film, quite often I've liked a film score. And Murray Gold's themes just ran for me through it. I mean, they, a lot of things make Doctor Who. For me, music has been one of them. And curiously enough, um, me and my daughter still talk about the Kazoo Monsters, which were the Silurians, their first... Um, <laughs> foray onto the onto the scene because it did sound like kazoos that's what they're known as forever um but i think what i missed in the last series um the music was present for me but it wasn't stirring me and i think that's what Murray gold has done personally for me on on the, the music front throughout i mean i do agree with you john there's been times when it's kind of fallen away and it hasn't been as maybe as dramatic or or as nice as we want, but um, going to the symposium, hearing it all live again, that, you know that was a real thing for me. He also did the music for the Musketeers, 
and if you or he did the theme certainly and if you listen to the theme for the musketeers and you listen to peter capaldi's theme i think it's um am i a good man try it out run them run them one after the other know the difference because you can you can mix and match <laughs> but I, i'm just i'm just so pleased that music is such an important part of the series and i'm hoping it will just um draw into that i i have the soundtracks that he's done but i don't have the latest soundtrack it just didn't interest me interesting i i do have them all i do have them all now because uh, i do like electronic mood music and i'd say that segwin's music is is fantastic electronic mood music in the background which i quite often have on when i'm working but uh, sometimes i find that i sing along and tap my pencil a bit too much to murray stuff but that's probably says a lot about me what do we think of uh, david's new costume now that i'm now that i'm holding up the action figure here gosh it's it's like he's in the room kenny well john's got behind him <laughs> yeah John's got the old costume, though, haven't you, John? Yes, yeah. yes, it's an old. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a bit of a, a, a tartan vibe, isn't there? Which uh, which we like, obviously. Uh, a stereotypical Scotsman, we can't resist uh, the the call of the the shortbread tin. So I, for one, am uh, yeah, quite 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 a fan so far. I don't think I've never I've never cosplayed, but uh, <clears throat> I might. Uh, if there's a if there's a tie or a scarf or something, I might I might splash out for Christmas. Who knows? Stevie, I think it's a great. I think it's a very um, detailed costume. Maybe that's maybe that's HD for you. Uh, but yeah, uh, waistcoat tartan. Yeah, uh, a really good riff on what he had originally. But you know, moving forwards, which is great. Incidentally, I think I've cosplayed at least three of you together in an image, Kenny. I don't know if you ever shared it. No, I didn't. <laughs> what you do you in your spare time is, uh, is just no, you, you uh, a little too private. You should share the image of the, the High Council <laughs> of the Pyre of Three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued. Oh, don't be. Don't be afraid, I think it's more of the term. Dave, what's your <laughs> thoughts on this uh, this new look? Yeah, it's cracking. Um, it's, you know, to, <laughs> to use some hackneyed cliche Doctor Who phrasing, it's a familiar silhouette, isn't it? He's got the, the converse, he's got the long coat with the, the big collar and all that. It's, um, and as I said earlier, it was the one that kind of alerted me to the fact that he wasn't playing the 10th Doctor again. So it's, um, it, it, it works. It's, um, it's interesting. This is the check pattern, the blue coat is interesting. I'm just saying interesting again. Yeah, I like it. Not too much really to add to what I said before. I think it's the, the similar but different enough to dist- you know distinguish them from all the the, the umpteenth Doctor images that we're going to see over the next six or seven months. Or that you know towards the end of the year. I think if he'd come back and worn the same brown coat and the same striped suit, so it wouldn't have been as effective. And obviously, he looks a little bit older than he did when he played it last time. So yeah, I'll, I think it's very smart. I personally, I can't. I can't pull off a tartan suit. I look okay in a pinstripe suit, so it's not something that I'd be, I'd be rushing to to replicate myself. But I like the coat. What I've noticed is that it's almost like an inversion of the series four, or it's like series three, series four outfit, where you'd have the brown coat with the blue suit, whereas here you've got the blue coat and a brown suit. So I don't know if that's uh, just me looking and reading too much into it, but well, hopefully. Hopefully Doctor Who magazine or whatever this new Doctor Who confidential style program that there's been hints about, hopefully they have some details about such things. Cause I'm always quite interested in 
you know, the thought process that goes into costume designing and all that. It's, it's been interesting, with, especially with all the new series doctors, because they all, they all got a bit more of a hand in what they wore than some of the guys in the old show did. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens if we get some more detail on that. I really, I hope we do. I hope we get like, you know, an eight-page feature in Doctor Who magazine with the costume. That'd be tremendous. Works I for found me. it much, much more grungier. I thought when I, I saw the photos, uh, a little more, a little more used. Uh, but interestingly, DWM, uh, I can't remember which issue they were talking about doing, doing the shoot, doing the green screen regeneration, and making sure they'd taken a couple of. Uh, yeah, a, a good portrait head to toe. They were keen that the fans could see what it was so they could start on their cosplay, which I thought, yeah, well, you've got the measure of your audience. Yeah. Now, talking of the costume, it's a neat segue into my next thought. It's interesting that for the first time since Hartnell, and we're going to exclude Tom Baker into Peter Davison with the shoes becoming boots, the fact that the Doctor's costume has regenerated. Now, for me... I think this is a very, very clever move because straight away, the, the scene one of the next episode, you've got the Doctor in costume. No need to explain the fact that he's, you know, had to, you know, he's wearing his previous incarnations outfit, anything like that. To me, it's a very, it gives you a very clean break straight away to go into this new era. Um, do we think that was a smart move? Do we think it's the right thing to do, Stevie? Yep. Definitely, I think for all kinds of reasons. I think it, it moves the plot along. I I liked as much as anyone, David Tennant, going into the TARDIS wardrobe and checking it out and seeing another part of the TARDIS, but that's an unnecessary thing. I think from what I've read as well, that RTD was really keen to move it on and he didn't want him standing around in Jodie's obviously female costume for because that was the picture that was going to be all over the, the world and the press forever and he just wanted to move on and fair play to him it's been done before it'll be done again i didn't know about the boots that's another thing from my golden anorak collection which i'll go and tell the family as soon as i'm done but yeah no i think brilliant go for it give give us a, a new image uh, let's not get hung up on such trivia dave happy with the clean break to go straight in well, yeah, because it means he just hits the ground running. You know, they can just get on with it. Um, new readers, new viewers start here, in a way. I mean, I quite like the, the traditional costume trying on scenes, you know, and time the Rani and Robot and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so on a level, I'm disappointed that we didn't see it, but it made it certainly it meant the regeneration made a, a much bigger impact than it would have done if he just stayed in, in Jodie's clothes. So again, you know, that's Russell obviously being clever and thinking ahead and yeah and it's um yeah it's just as we've said it just it saves a lot of time they can just go on with it and if they'd spent the first five or ten minutes you know standing in Jodie's clothes or picking out a costume it would have kind of gotten the way of what they're trying to do which is just I think just give the whole thing a bit of the, the backside and to spend you know a little bit of time focusing on what on what's just gone which hasn't been completely successful in all areas then, you know, no, clean break's the right way to do it, I think, definitely. John, are you in con concurrence? <clears throat> yeah, I would never dream of disagreeing with uh, two such venerable uh, 
poo commentators. Um, not, and I, what, what I like about it too is that, okay, we know this is a costume and we'll be talking about it as a costume, but I just like the idea of what the Doctor wears as being clothes, you know. Um, so uh, I, 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 I do get the thing about, you know, let's, oh, let's try on this, let's try on that. We all, we all enjoy that too. But I think it's just, it's good just to say, okay, this is what I'm wearing today. And if I guess if we can tell anything about what's going to happen with the new Doctor, then we're going to see multiple uh, changes of clothes, multiple different silhouettes. So, yeah, I guess this is the this is the way ahead. I'm just going to say three words: sixties Ruby Sunday, and then I'm going to follow it with the sound effect. <laughs> oh. And then I'll remind you that she's eighteen bloody years old, you old pair. Cut it out. <laughs> I know, thirty years older than her to the day, exactly. <laughs> Can you can you already cut it out? Yes, yes, I know. <laughs> Thirty years older than her to the day. It's <laughs> terrifying. Anyway, something else you mentioned was Doctor Who magazine, and of course, DWM has embraced this whole new era straight away. New logo, David Tennant on the cover, everything like that, and of course, we're getting the Fourteenth Doctor's first adventures in Liberation of the Daleks in DWM. Dave, how are you enjoying this as somebody who's a big comics oh, fan? It's, it's fantastic. It's off the charts. It's so good. But like, I. I sent Alan Barnes a tweet the other week just sort of saying look the amount of plot, the amount of incident the amount of ups and downs and twists and turns that he fits into sixes and pages compared to say for example the latest Justice Society series from Jeff Johns which has about feels about two minor incidents happening in each issue when he can be bothered to get them published no it's it's, it's brilliant it really is, it's, it's terrific Alan Barnes knows what he's doing it, they don't have as many pages as they used to have for the comic strip, but they pack it in and it's great. I mean, I'm I'm loving it. Can't wait for the, it's, the comic strips. The first for the first time in years, in a long time, in a long, 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 long time, probably since the '90s, the comic strips the first thing I'm reading in the magazine at the moment. Yeah, since the end of the McGann era, it's the first thing I'm turning to as well. So, John, how about you? How are you enjoying Liberation of the Daleks? Yeah, I, I love it, and I I, I I love a Dalek strip in particular. Um, and it's good to see them, and so beautifully drawn as well. The quality of the of the of the artwork, I think, is fantastic. Um, and as David said, there's lots of yeah, there's 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 um, twists and turns aplenty. Um, no spoilers, but yeah, um, I'll, I'll be intrigued to see what happens in the next instalment, which is due out any any day now. So yeah, happy, Stevie, happy customer. Yeah, well, I'm amazingly. I'm amazingly enjoying it. I'm not the greatest uh, cartoon fan in the world. Never have been. Although I always loved the 1970s uh, Dalek annuals and Dalek strips. I thought they were brilliant because I could just read about Daleks all day long. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm kind of drawn to this one. I think it's very well drawn. Again, no pun intended. I'm doing well with my selection of words. Very well drawn. It's got a plot and it. As David says, it's actually moved on. Things actually happen. I do like it when things actually happen and you're not left with endless questions. Question at the cliffhanger? Absolutely fine. Um, I don't know who the artist is, haven't researched, but um, it's it's good. It's good. And am I right in thinking this is canon? Has RTD actually said this is what happened straight after you went into the TARDIS? Very much so, yep. You've seen you're pretty much the first one. He's got you with the Sonic straight into the TARDIS going, what's going on? TARDIS drawn, of course. And it's Lee Sullivan, who's possibly the best Dalek artist 
for comic strips going. He's just wonderful. Here's Lee Sullivan to tell us a little bit about it himself. So, Lee, it must have been really exciting to be asked to bring the 14th Doctor's first adventure to life. Yeah, it was really uh, a bit of a surprise. Um, I got wind of it through a mutual friend of mine and Marcus's slightly before it happened. Um, but I, I kind of dismissed it because, you know, lots of people say, oh yeah, I hear you, or, you know. Uh, and, and the thing is also, also, I'm always the last to know because, um, you know, these things get talked about by everybody else except you and then they offer you the job. And then so suddenly it's, oh my God, really? Uh, and I always think it's a bit like that thing in uh, in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy where strange somethings are sliding through the universe and, you know, deciding your fate, basically. And then uh, and then you suddenly find out as they, as they demolish your planet. And it was, um, yeah, it was, well, I was, I had worked with Marcus Hearn, who's the editor of Doctor Who magazine currently, a long, well, a fair while ago, we did, he asked me to do some illustration, an illustration of Thunderbird 3 uh, for a compilation of 1960s comic strips from TV21 featuring Thunderbirds yep. and things, probably. And we, you know, we had, we'd known each other on and off. I don't really remember how I know Marcus it was so it's been such a sort of long osmosis that you forget how you come to know people you just know you know them um, and he asked me to do that and that was great and then he did a dep on editorship on Doctor Who magazine for a while about 10 years ago maybe five well between five and ten years ago and um, he invited me to do an illustration there which is based on the dead planet and what they did um, what I should have What's it called these days? The first serial B. Yeah, serial. Okay, uh, and he was um, uh, so uh, the, the original idea of that. Uh, the, the, the point of the illustration was to show what the third alien race might have been if they'd gone with Terry Nation's original idea. So the idea in that, I think, encapsulated fairly quickly was that uh, the Daleks and the Thals are battling it out, but a third alien force from another planet comes and they have to unite the Daleks and the Thals have to unite in order to defeat the third party uh, and the Doctor and uh, and his crew help out both sides that didn't happen and it's just as well because they'd have ended up Daleks and Thals being friends and that's the end of Doctor Who um, but uh, fortunately uh, it went the way it did and this was just a so I, I did some designs for him of, uh, of what the aliens might have looked like based on Coquillian and all the kind of things that were being done costume-wise then. Um, uh, uh, and then I, he then went off and did other things and went back to the normal uh, team at the Doctor Who magazine. Uh, and uh, so I wasn't, it wasn't until Marcus came back uh, and then there were some editorial changes that um, I found myself... Uh, uh, being invited to do uh, a Doctor Who comic strip in there for the first time in 20 years. That's quite scary. Uh, yeah, it was, actually. <laughs> I don't know who it was more scary for. <laughs> more scary for me or for them. Uh, because um, Marcus was 
terribly nice about it. And he said, you know, we offered up and there were a choice of artists and uh, allegedly Russell T. Davis said, there's only one man, and I got, uh, which was, uh, I was terribly pleased about that. Now I can't remember exactly what I was going to say, but there you are. Senior moment, I'm afraid. That's been, all right. Uh, you've been doing be. this for as long as I have. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's that's true. It has been a long oh, yeah. time. <laughs> well, that's right. That's why they were used. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, Marcus said to me, uh, you know, that I'd been asked, that I'd been selected for this job. And he said, and of course, it, and somebody else said to me, this is great. This will be your triumphal return to Doctor Who magazine. I was saying, oh my God. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms. Um, but the times I'd done work in Doctor Who magazine, um, you know, the various strips I did, primarily because they were great stories, but also because they featured the Daleks or they featured perhaps on Dark or they featured you know, Mandragora and all those kind of things where they were kind of built to be fan favourites almost from the ground up. Um, I had got a lot of kudos from them. Uh, and then if you're away for a long time, then you get the, the enhancement of years of people being nostalgic about those things. And, and so maybe your reputation starts to get ahead of what it can actually perform. Um, <laughs> plus the advancing years and you know, clearly increasing senility on my part. Um, I, I was a bit nervous about it and I wonder if the team were. Uh, but that all kind of fell away because when I started work on it and I knew the scripts were good and Alan I'd worked with in the past and he was great and I knew you know, his sensibilities were, were same as mine really and, and I knew what he would want from me and he wrote for me. The whole thing gelled quite well. Although I have to say that, that, that I did see one piece of criticism on the uh, on, on the internet about it and I kind of took it to heart but, but in a good way. I, I, Richard Starkings who started me off this whole Doctor Who thing in the first place uh, you know, in Doctor Who magazine, he, he was my first editor on the, uh, on Doctor Who magazine. He said, "Oh, you should never read the criticism," uh, but I did, and I just thought, "No, they were right." The first issue, the first episode, I hadn't had time to think about the page dynamics. It was in such a rush because we were very close to that because it was all you know revolving around getting it, getting the scripts approved, and not just the scripts, but the stories had to be approved, the story had to be approved. And that went through quite a lot of processes. And I think because the Doctor Who authors were very keen that A, this was going to be canonical, which is kind of amazing in its own right. And uh, we'll, we'll see if they mention it in the TV show. I, I, you know, I have my doubts, but the idea is, Russell has said that it's a canonical first 14th Doctor adventure. It takes place immediately before the, just immediately after his regeneration, and it finishes up immediately before the first story that we get him on the set uh, on TV. Um, okay, the experience has been really good working on it. Uh, I took notice of the criticism because we hadn't had enough time. Um, 
in the first episode, I hadn't had enough time to get my act together um, fully. I was getting back up to speed doing a full full paint, full comic strip, and it was in a bit of a rush. I thought while I was doing it, yeah, but this isn't quite as dynamic as some of the stuff I've in the past. The criticism was that as well. He's not who he used to be. And, uh, and I just thought, right, okay. I had already decided that I would ramp it up for the, net, for the subsequent issues. And I think that's what I've done. Um, and uh, the, the audience will be the judge. That's amazing, Lee. Thank you. It's been great to, to hear all about it. So thanks very much to Lee for his time. Anyway, over to you, Stevie. Can I just add in quickly, as a one of the comic strips I was a fan of, and I'm gonna, gonna my anorak is very much golden here. I, I was a great fan of Blake Seven magazine. I don't know if you guys ever saw it. It was short-lived, yeah. Um, but they used to carry a really good cartoon strip. Um, unfortunately, the guy who did it had a, an accident, so they kind of replaced him with a, another drawer who wasn't as good. But that's the kind of level I was getting. I was getting that intrigue and that detail, and love, love detail, love my characters to look like who they should. Excellent. I think Ian Kennedy, didn't he? Yes, um, he was great. He, Dan Dare, when I, the Eagle came back, didn't he? Yeah, he did a lot of stuff in the 80s. He was a brilliant artist, an excellent, excellent draftsman. Yeah. Yep. I remember seeing some of these, these Blake Seven strips. Very good at just getting that that photorealistic, but at the same time, tell a good a good story, not you know, just resort to copying publicity shots. Yeah, not Dave's no, favourite. No, very much, very much made it real and his own and his own direction. I think. Well, everybody, I've got one final question for each of you, and and it's the same question, of course. So, John, what is your one hope? that we get from these three Tenant specials? Well, oh, how to answer that? Um, I mean, I'm trying to be spoiler-free, but there's a bit of me which is suspecting uh, at least some kind of nod to other previous Doctor Who weekly uh, comic strips. So I would be delighted if we had a, a whiff of a Star Beast or something like that um so but I'm, I'm not you know i'm not setting myself up for a fall here um i just i just enjoyed so much the dynamic um between the the doctor um, and donna and and her mum and of course we'll be seeing even if it's briefly uh um, Bernard Cribbins as well, as well. Uh, so I, I, I really, I really connected with that, with that group. So I'm just looking forward to, to seeing them again and to see what, how their story has has moved on. That's a good one. I like that. Stevie, what about you? Wilf, I'm looking forward to see Wilf. I'm hoping Bernie has a a good a good last episode of Doctor Who. But I, I also love that particular family. I, I thought they meshed so well together. I don't know, I, I I often think, well, I'd like this, I'd like that, I'd like the other, but I do like to be surprised. So I'm just going to go with the flow and enjoy DT and whoever else trundles along. And yeah, yeah, I, I'm trying to avoid spoilers, really trying to avoid spoilers. But at the same time, you know, I still want to see what this is and that is. But it's a bit like, Try to uh, watch um, the end of Picard without 
noticing that something's been done and built somewhere and you might see it kind of like oh, i don't want to see don't want to see just <laughs> give me give me the program let me enjoy excellent dave what's your one single hope from these three episodes one single hope, one single hope. well the hope hope my main hope is that we haven't had everything that's going to happen in them spoiled already because there has been a lot of photography of location filming um my biggest hope is that we don't see everything that happens to the 14th Doctor in these three episodes that we're getting. I hope there's enough room so that DT and Catherine can go off and have a 10-part Disney Plus spin-off series next year. <laughs> That's my biggest <laughs> hope. That we don't just... This, this isn't all we get for the 14th Doctor. I'm, I'm of the same opinion, but I just hope there's enough gaps there. So Big Finish can do some as well. But uh, that's just my... Yeah, my, my Big bias. Finish can be a story when the 14th Doctor teams up with the 10. <laughs> Brilliant! I'll, I'll buy collector's edition CD. I tell you, I'll, I'll be I'll be second in the queue for that one, <laughs> and I'll be emailing Nicholas Briggs in the morning. <laughs> Which is great. No, I'm I'm saying I just I just want some good fun storytelling. I think we're aware that, as John's alluded to, there's some characters from Doctor Who magazine. Looks like they're on the way, and they're great, great fun. Um, and I think it's been confirmed in DWM pretty much anyway by Rachel Talali, brilliant director, delighted they've got her back to do this uh, first one. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to it because I think when you have a party, it's always nice to see old friends and that's what Russell's giving us. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty of surprises waiting to be unwrapped this November. Here, here. There we go. That's a nice way of summing it up. And I'm actually prepared um, for the big question at the end of the episode as well. So is anybody going to hit me with it? <laughs> Someone else can do it. <laughs> do we have to say what three times? <laughs> <laughs> Just the once will do. Smart arse. Well, Stevie, you do it then. What? Oh no! I'm I'm out. What 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 what? No. Did somebody asked me the bloody question. No, I do it three times what? last three days already. What? I know I asked it the last time, but you know. Well, I'm going to tell you. Hey, Kenny, what are we going to play out with this week? Well, Kenny, I've had a great idea. Why don't we play out with a song called Too Many People by Pet Shop Boys, in which the question of identity is one that's always haunted me. Whoever I decide to be depends on who is with me. Yes, it's Pet Shop Boys, Too Many People. But before we hear from them, it's time to say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. I can't believe how childish you three are. Oh, I need to get some new co-conspirators for next time. Or maybe not. It's fun. That's the fun of it all. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed our little Tenant Special Part 2. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.